Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to avoid lazy negativity, we have decided to make this episode a drinking game. That was a Duh. hell of a beer. <laughs> Was what that, that, was that? just <laughs> happened? Oh my god! I wish I could. See, I wish you guys did, could see. Did someone faces. get nuked? Did someone? Was, what just happened? Was, why was a, it so loud? It's exactly I don't, as I've I don't done know. They're, they're just. just I'm, I'm, we're getting distortions off you now as well. What <laughs> is going on? That was weird. Holy! I, I guess shit. I must have been a bad reaction clipping it. You sound normal now. That was wow, awesome. Only I, mean, I can't why, get that out. That was epic. <laughs> Did you not hear anything? Oh my god, it's yes. happening again! That, what that's is the that? noise. That's the noise. Are you rubbing the microphone? Am I rubbing the microphone? Yeah, no? it, it sounds like we're getting invaded. It yeah, sounds it, like the it election was like really, really bad. Wait, is it? Can you still hear stuff? Yes. It's really rumbling, Are yeah. You, is somebody playing Call of Duty like inside no, your microphone? But I am worried like there were some little droplets of beer that got on my computer. I hope they didn't like get in and they're gurgling around and you're hearing like carbonation in oh, my that microphone. Oh, that would make sense actually. Beer in the uh, computer. Yeah. Well, this is definitely going on TikTok. I, don't, I, I mean, I got it off. I got it off. There's nothing on there anymore. No, well, it's, it definitely does, sounds better. Does it sound where, terrible? Wherever no, it's gone, great. it's falling down. We're going we're gonna to go on with I the show. wait to, to hear do, it. Do you want to start this again or are we just going to push on? No, let's keep going. We'll keep going. All right, we're here to talk about the... You get it. We, we drank when we say negative things. Dave do, Dave, do you have, Dave, do you have a quip for, to finish us out today? I do, but, you know, it's I was enjoying the setup. All right, oh, cool. what the hell. Pour oh, yourselves right. a glass, sit back as we discuss the movie that's going to redefine fingering for an entire generation. Jesus. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, cheers, guys. All right, we have started our show with our, our pre-show shot. Off to a good a start here. From the sound of it. For those of you new to the podcast, we are the love of cinema. We try to keep it spoiler free for about ten minutes so we don't spoil this uh, this piece of piece of cinema for you. Uh, at the end of the episode, we'll give you some recommendations, things we've been wanna, watching, things we've been really talking almost about. Said. We're talking about Little House of Dragons at the end, some other things that we've seen this week. And uh, I feel like there's something else in the setup that I always forget, and here I am. I always forget it. I'm gonna forget it. I mean, we got some sponsors. You can, you can do yeah. That. We can talk since, about those. Let's since go. The, since the IRA has stopped like bombing the hills. That's right. <laughs> the IRA. Oh, God. Uh, Carlos Barroso is our beer sponsor. You can find his handle in our show notes. He's on Instagram at cbarroso.beer. C b a r r o c o dot beer. And the music on this episode and every single episode is provided by the artist Dasein. That info is in the show notes as well on our link tree. Follow him on all the music platforms. Download all this music for free. Okay. I feel like I should point out all my jokes are relevant after you've seen the movie. Well, no, that's fine. But speaking of, <laughs> speaking of the IRA, which anybody who knows anything about Ireland, which is, I imagine, not a lot of people, but anybody who knows anything about Ireland, you know, we, they know what the IRA is. But this movie is set in the 20s. So who, is, who was fighting? Who, who is it that? Who is in the war? Well, it's, the, it's the Catholics and the Protestants. Yeah, Still? Was, in the that 20s? Was, that that like, the... With bombs and things? So I think at that point, they're bombs and they guns and they guns and they bombs. Yeah, no, I like I like the uh, the wiki here, but basically that was before it was called Northern Ireland, right? It was it had not been separated by England at that point. It was just Ireland, wasn't it? That's got to be. And then so they were 
Yeah. Mm, and that part sure. of the island was trying was beginning to want to rebel away from it, England. That and, makes sense. If any of you guys get bored during this episode, go ahead and look it up. Um, fantastic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure I'm wrong, but I know that they were fighting with each other before yeah. they were fighting. Fun. People, this is England. the Banshees of Inisherin. This is Martin McDonough, written and directed. His first full feature since Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I think so. Um, yeah. he, he comes from the theater. Before he was 30, he'd already had multiple shows produced on Broadway and, of course, in Dublin. Um, mm. Some of those highlights include The Pillow Man, The Lieutenant of Inishmore, The Cripple of Inishman. This was is sort of considered, I don't think by McDonough, but by others, as uh, the third act in the trilogy of the... Oh, I just had it. What are those islands called? The Amon Islands? Inish... The, the Amon uh, Islands? I think, it's the, I think it's the Amon Islands, mm. uh, which Inishmore... It's gone. <laughs> is the largest of, I believe, the. I'm going to keep going with the Eamon Irons, and the people from Ireland are going to get pissed off at me. Um, so he made that as a play. Of Ireland, <laughs> Lieutenant of Inishmore. Lieutenant of Inishmore yeah. and Cripple of Inishmore are plays, and he says he does not, he says he does write specific to the medium. So he does, he did not write this as a play at first, despite what you so what was All the, right, I'll take what my drink. First, so what's the first <laughs> installment of the movies of the trilogy? No, no, this is the only movie out of those. It's not, it's not really a part of the trilogy. It just happens to be set in the same spot. Okay, okay. Because all of his, his even yeah. most of his Irish things are not necessarily set on the islands uh, with small casts, you know, not a lot of sets, which is plays require very few sets, very few actors. Um, Got to be practical people. Okay, but we're not getting into the movie yet. We have to do our gripes of the week, right? For all of you out there. We like to just get some things off our chest. We set a gripe timer for one minute so that it keeps us honest. If you want to get to the movie, go ahead and press plus 30 seconds. But I have a feeling you want to stick around for these gripes. Does anybody in here have something they want to get off their chest? I have nothing this week. I'll give it a shot. I already kind of said it to you guys privately. Hit me with that timer. All right, let's go. Come on. Let it be known, this is the first uh, episode of The Love of Cinema, where Elon Musk now owns Twitter, and Elon, fuck you. This is uh, <laughs> the first, one of your first days that you've had the job, and apparently you tweeted today that if some people are undecided voters, they should just go ahead and vote Republican. If you're kidding, that's not funny, and if you're serious, fuck you. That's all oh, I got. Don't worry. You also introduced a ban on parody accounts unless they're labeled a parody yeah, account. Yeah, I heard that. So God, heard about God that. has relabeled his account, God parody account. Just in case anyone uh, believes he's the real god. This is, god, yeah. that's really funny. Off to a shitty start there, Mr. Musk. Go fuck yourself. So here's the thing. Oh, he's, he's also been. Um, he's also sent out uh, emails to everyone he fired, asking a, a fair portion of them to come back. It's funny, um, yeah. and it got a rounding go fuck yourself from those Everybody's as well. Everybody's hearing this. I, I know yeah. that I know that newspapers have traditionally endorsed candidates, or their editorial boards have endorsed candidates, but he. He, this is a free speech platform. Yes, he's on a soapbox, but he's a cult. He's supposed to be a cultivator here. He, he is contradicting himself so much more yeah, than weird. any other CEO does. The, stay out of this. The whole point is that you stay out of it, and then you help kind of nudge things along. You don't. What you do don't you guys think? Be blatant. I think it's. I think it's wild. All the other stuff you could easily say. He was just trying to drive, you know, conversation and content. But this is that. That's. that's can you so imagine? Absurd. Can you imagine what Jack Dorsey is thinking about this? Like, you know, he's, at some point he's he sold. Coming obviously. on board as, he's coming on board as an advisor. He's loving it. I guess he felt like he had to, though. He's an so, groupie. Like, is... Honestly, he was also a part-time CEO, so he, he has a very blessed life. And um, anyway, let's... As, okay. Wait, I, well, I have a very, very quick gripe, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it within one minute today. And I'm going to say this really quick before the gripe. Movie apps, or, or movie and TV, 
are doing this better. They're better. We love movies here. Good job on you. Okay, go. Music streaming apps. I know you're obsessed with me, but make my life better. Stop ruining my life to make your life better, you pieces of shit. Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music, they all let the user experience suffer so that they could fucking creep on us and mine our data. I live in New York City. I go on the subway. I go in and out of network connectivity area all the time. I go on Wi-Fi and then cellular and then nothing. And whenever I do, my app refreshes because it's obviously like, there he is, there he is. Oh, what is he doing? I don't know, let's just refresh the app. So all of a sudden I'm looking at an album and now I'm back to my home screen. Also, I'll have songs downloaded on my phone. I know there's kind of air quotes around that but they're downloaded on my phone and they'll freeze in the middle of the fucking song even though i have it downloaded if i go on cellular if i turn my cellular data off and i go on airplane mode it'll be fine <laughs> it'll be fine because it needs to know what i'm doing where i am what i'm listening to at all times so much that it would literally let me fucking suffer so that they can mine my data they actually suffer they they let their product be <laughs> shittier what I, fucking I, company I, would the, ever do that hbo max i download well. a movie i walk outside i go wherever i want and it's totally fine and, no, and, and nothing HBO, happens unless, unless they fix it dude hbo max i try to watch tv on the subway and the first thing it does when you open the app is tries to check that you have a license like that you have an account your hbo's fucked up mine and is it, totally it fine i don't to know what you're talking about but every single music app every phone every whatever ipad anything i want to use they will let me suffer i know this is a first world problem they will let me suffer they will let my experience be shittier so that they can mine my data i i can't imagine any other company saying i don't care if your life is shittier oh wait the dmv oh wait capitalism fuck yeah for those of you who skipped ahead 30 seconds i'm very sorry <laughs> <laughs> we okay. got it off our chest though okay you know, it's off our chest that's all that really matters anything else you guys want to say before we get into our yeah, let's get into this. conversation all right i'll set it up let's quickly get into this. set it up and then i'll just clarify very quickly i looked up just a little bit about the civil war and it'll just give us a little bit of footing for what time period this is happening in. but go ahead and set up the movie Research. okay mark mcdonough as we talked about is back with colin farrell and brendan gleason who most famously did in bruges with martin mcdonough apart along with Ray Fiennes who joined the party for that. Um, supporting cast includes Carrie Condon, who you may know from the Rome TV series on HBO Max. She's been an mm. actress working for a long time, Irish. She was actually in the original Lieutenant of Inishmore in Ireland 20 years ago. So she's known McDonough wow, for a very long cool. time. And Barry Keoghan, that is how you say that name. Mm -hmm. uh, who was in Killing of a Sacred Deer with Colin Farrell. And, of course, he was in Batman for a little bit. They keep saying he was in that with Colin and Farrell. And the Eternals. Uh, not cross paths. Eternals, he was in the Eternals. Yeah, he's so in... Yeah. Um, he was in another movie we saw that we fucking loved. He's he's blowing up right now. He is a that he's guy. He's blowing actor. up. And he decided to, to play a character here. So all four leads in this are from Ireland, as is the writer. So this is a very Irish film, filmed in Ireland. Uh, they built some of the sets, but it all takes place on the countryside of Ireland. Um, and the quick pitch, for those of you who haven't seen the trailer, two lifelong friends, that's Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell, find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. This is currently in widespread release. I imagine this will be streaming soon. My friends, who would like hmm. to start with our spoiler-free conversation? Initial reactions. This, this, this was in limited release, and we heard such good things about it, we went and saw it. Like, a week I saw, and a half I did, after I did a double it. feature. I saw oh, yeah, this. yeah, that's right. And, you did, yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, and we had to talk about it. Armageddon time. Armageddon I was like, guys, time. please Crystal. see this. Armageddon. And then, and then we would have fucking seen this if John's goddamn catalytic converter didn't get fucking stolen <laughs> by some piece of shit, some very talented, now very wealthy piece of shit. We would have talked about this last week. My friends, who would like to take it away with your initial reactions while I look up the name of these islands? I'll I'll jump in. Go ahead. Yeah, I'd, go for it, man. It's the Aran Islands. I was right. Did I say Ayman Islands? Aran yeah. Islands? Doesn't yeah, matter. You said go that. ahead. Oh, anyway. yeah. um, Damn it. I, it's Damn. funny because we saw I, we actually saw this the week after seeing Armageddon Time. And in essence, they're two very similar films. It's almost like a slice of life sort of thing. Um, but this could, I, for some reason, this re- resonated completely differently with me. And it's kind of, I kept thinking about it. Like you ever hear of those long running family feuds and you wonder like, how did that start? It's like, this is how it started. And it just goes along with this fantastically slow pace. Like, cause basically they're on an Island where um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, they're on, like, they're on an Island just off the coast of Ireland where there's literally nothing to do, but look after your animals and go to the pub and maybe go to town. And it's, I'm sure people have jobs. We don't really see much of it, but it sums up the life of the, like the slowness of that life and eases you into that life. And then things just escalate at ridiculous proportions towards like the end of the movie. And I really dug it. I found this like a fantastic character driven piece of cinema. Like I'll get into the shots later, but yeah, this was, this was really good for me. Yes. Which I'm is, looking forward to hearing you talk so, about It's the... not something I'd normally watch either, which is like, I'm glad I had to go and see it for this. When you saw the trailer, Dave, did you think like never saw the trailer? You never saw the trailer. Winning cold. Mm. I saw it before one of our movies that we watched together. Mm. I don't know. You might have been getting popcorn and I might have got there late that one time because the one thing about having a movie podcast is you kind of see all the fucking trailers every week, so you don't watch them on the internet. Yeah, I think yeah. we definitely saw it before Tar and maybe Don't Worry, Darling, the smaller movies. Mm. Um, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about what Ben Davis achieved with the cinematography because it's really gorgeous and really special. Uh, but that detail kind of feeds into what you were talking about. Um, this is one of those movies that could have existed easily in an independent sphere made for a million dollars by an Irish director you've never heard of. And it may have been just as good. But what's so cool about this is that you have an now Academy Award winning screenwriter, director, who's really in their prime. And they said, you know what? I'm going to make this tiny little movie now. And I think people will come see it because I made it and they'll know these two actors. I feel like, this was, exactly the, I feel like this was on the list for a while. I feel like this was something he had locked uh, away. Yeah, I mean, you know what? A, a, yeah. a prolific writer like him will never know. He may just have ideas yeah, and true. scripts going all the fucking time. Uh, but I know what you mean. Like there's, uh, I'm just excited that, I saw it with Chris, who is unable to be here with us tonight, the uh, assistant editor for Mandalorian, who's been on the show a few times, and we're just making some comments to he each other He didn't want to risk afterwards. his career by coming on the show and having me try to break his NDA. <laughs> he's, had, he has a, he's, having a v, he's having a VFX review right now, so he can't be here. But he made a comment just very succinctly that, you know, it's so, it's so exciting and refreshing to see someone bring something like this tiny little story to life with with the with a a budget that would have done it justice you know to to build these little homes near the sea and just so you can burn one of them down you know and just to do these 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 the kind of cinematography that's there again you could have had some really wonderful moments just using 
you know, what I'm sure was even more limited lighting because they probably did end up using a lot of natural light. But the fact that you just had just enough money, which was only, I think I looked it up and the, the rumor is between 10 and $15 million budget. So they still played it really small. I bet you um, half of that was salaries too. Not that they needed it. They probably would have done it for less. Salaries and probably just just a couple sitting, of set pieces, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legally sitting in those locations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, anyway, they, I, I don't know whether you heard a, they had to build the bar because they didn't have the bar. Mm -hmm. So they had to build, they built the whole thing. But it wasn't permitted for like a permanent structure. So they had to pull the whole thing down at the end of it. I was like, what a waste. Mm -hmm. Like that could have been yeah, an actual bar or like a set for something else. So. If, it was made by film set people though. So it was made of like plaster. Removable. I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, Ultimately, though, I really liked it, and we'll talk about themes at the end, but this is just one of those uh, jewels that when you're in the hands of somebody who's really good and they have attracted you with their shiny feathers with movies like In Bruges and Three Billboards with a little bit more in-your-face, more... Not, he still, he never, he's always had his voice, but it seemed a little bit more of a, uh, a broad brush, this is going to be compelling kind of entertainment. This one... I think he challenges you a little bit more to just slow down and come to this island. And and there's something really interesting about a story that is so simple like this. You kind of find yourself over and over and over again saying, what is he saying? Like, there, this must be commentary. And yet the performances are so strong and the direction is so strong that it really does just dissolve into you watching a character piece. We can probably talk about all the themes we want to lift from it because there are i think there are definitely some to choose from i think he was trying to say something but he really did transcend that idea where sometimes you're sitting in a play you know like a real theater and you're watching a play and and he is a playwright and this is the kind of dialogue and the kind of stories that tend to exist in theater and you there's so much intention that goes into playwriting mm -hmm. so there's a part of me that couldn't stop kind of thinking like what is this symbolizing and it's like, I kind of let it go at one point. I was just enjoying the performances, but I do think there are some really lovely, lovely uh, archetypes and really excellent metaphors and symbols that even if they weren't supposed to be at the front of your experience, I can't, I can't help but keep marinating on them just because this, these two men and their tiny relationship and his sister ended up speaking a lot to me about the world we're living in right now. And yeah. I don't know if he wanted that to happen, but it, it did. I could, I kind of hmm. can't stop thinking about it. Uh, yeah. So, you, you know, I, you know, I love this movie. That's yeah. obvious. <laughs> very obvious. Um, I was, I think, I think the word for me to, to describe my end, cause when I saw the trailer, I was kind of like, does anything happen so you, to this? You saw this in Armageddon time at the same time, right? I saw this after Armageddon. I saw Armageddon time and I was like, I want to see this now. Um, I, I was seduced by the language just the way they talked with it very quickly. I was in, and you know what we, you know, there's certain television shows. We, it's easier to pick nits for some reason. There's something about it. They show us all these details and they show it so specifically. And it's like, does that matter? And then when it doesn't matter, you get pissed off. There are so many things in this where it just, it just knew what it was so clearly and so distinctly like, yeah, I never need to know where the money comes from for why they how where they got those beers. I, I'm, I will never need to know that. Um, if I wasn't on a movie podcast, I wouldn't even think that. But after a while, it's like, okay, what's his job? You know, and I, it's like none of that matters, right? It's just so simple. And, and the surprising thing is, because this is just some one guy out of nowhere, doesn't want to be his friend anymore. And then there's this weird little thing with the fingers, which they tease in the trailer, where it gets, you know, there's, there's not that much that happens. McDonough 
I, the first play I saw of his was Lieutenant Inishmore on Broadway, and there was a whole scene where a guy was upside down the whole time. Really, in person, you saw a guy upside down for like 10 minutes, and like everybody in the theater knew that. They had a cat on stage that they almost killed, like literally Domhnall Gleeson. Yes, that Domhnall Gleeson put a gun up to a cat's head on stage, and everybody in the audience is like, ah! like this guy, this guy is not ashamed of anything. And this story was too simple. It was so simple to be true. But what really makes it shine is that it is so universal. It's so obvious. The story is so good, not because of its elaborate nature, not because the plot goes A to B to Z to C and therefore and then and therefore, but because everybody can relate to, you know what? Sometimes you're just around somebody a long time and you go, I don't know if I want to be friends anymore. And what if you were stuck yeah. in the same place? And, you're a bit you know, of a dickhead. Of course. Oh, I'm going to go. Well, or, or maybe Brendan Gleeson was a bit of a dickhead and he maybe he admitted, I, I don't know, but the well, intro also, into that. Yeah, the mental like, health themes there as well. And then, into and, that, which was but, great. Yeah, but the way they but, talk about it with that weird elevated Irish language and everybody repeating each other and these weird little affectations and the prosody, the up and down. Oh, that's right. It's you like, texted us after you saw it. I've, I've never heard so much feckin' foul language in my feckin'. life. I, I know. It's it's just, it's, <laughs> can I, <laughs> where's my fucking buzzer? Yeah, yeah, buzz, you dick, buzz. Uh, so anyway, I'm with you, John. So much is staying with me because, yeah. because it's so obvious even though i've never talked that way and i don't know anybody who talks that way there's something about it that's so seductive and so universal there's... even though it's so specific how can you do that how every filmmaker because, take out, no, no, it's no, a, it's it's a simple story it's so simple that is so specific and universal at the same time that that's i can't stop thinking about, about it. to blow your mind with a, with another irishman who gave us one of the greatest like quotes of all time about art james joyce said within the particular lives the universal mm. that is what stories like this i'm in a directing class right now and as you can imagine like people are rehearsing in front of us with actors and they're talking about how they're analyzing scenes and approaching them blah 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 and what we keep coming back to over and over and over and over again is that if the directors and the actors don't understand that the specifics of the relationship of the two characters and the actors if it's not clear then the plot really just doesn't matter. The plot really can't be achieved in a, in a deep aesthetic way. It can be achieved as intellectual information if we just present it, but you're not really going to care and you're definitely not going to get to what you're talking about, which is like that next level where we're not even sure if it matters that anything happened to this movie, but we know exactly how they all felt about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now that's why I'm stirring. I'm bubbling over here trying to figure out how I feel about it because it felt so fucking clear to me. I felt like I was playing that wonderful game of, of catch up. They weren't so far ahead of me that I was confused, but they were ahead of me the whole time with that specificity. And I was able to just like, I was able to, to, to have a constant like state of intrigue going for trying my hardest to, to, to capture what this culture is. And it's my favorite part of world cinema. And I would say this is world, this is an Irish film. This is, I know they happen to be white and they're mm -hmm. speaking English, but, but this is world cinema. And, you know, we have this conversation a lot. Uh, people, I think we've had it here on this show before. I hear it all the fucking time at school and John's in the industry. having it with himself right now. <laughs> I am having it with myself right fucking now. Do you? Do you? Uh, I'll drink to You know, what's better or worse? Are they both important? Like, 
colorblind storytelling that is more plot driven and tries to just humanize everybody equally or really subjective cultural intentional casting and storytelling that kind of sucks you into a culture's perspective mm. or an individual's perspective. I, I think we I, know I tend the to answer. lean more toward yeah. the latter. I think I think they're both important. That might be a stepping stone to get to the subjective, but this I, I is just those... one of those movies where I think it's going to surprise people about yeah. what you're what you're saying. I love when they you, know, you get those character motivations that aren't apparent until you've seen the whole thing, and then at like three o'clock in the morning you wake up and you go, "Oh fuck me! It was it was this," or like you get these little nuggets mm-hmm. after the film. It still affects you like hours later, and that's that's when yeah. you know you've sat through something that's just masterful. Was the best thing in, yeah. in plays, which he, he he did write this for a film. So I don't want people thinking that this movie could have been a play. We say that all the time. This would have been better as a play. This would have been better as a TV show. This show was a film. Could it have been a play? Yeah. Sure, but this was a film. It's it's shot. It was, it was written to be shot brilliantly okay for these two play. actors. It sure. was brilliant as a film. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are certain lines. I'm not spoiling much. I'm teasing. I'm not spoiling. But the line. Which it's it's easier in hindsight, but even without the hindsight of this Carrie Condon's character just saying, Don't you ever get lonely? Don't you ever just get lonely? And he goes, What's wrong with people? and walks out the door. And just that little interaction, it's like, I feel like I could unpack that for the rest of my life. Just that those two lines back to back. You know? And and, and that, I- <laughs> because because the whole show because what 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 a mediocre film would do is they would pound it into the ground. They would try to earn it. The whole movie, they would be like, we need to earn this line because it's going to come back and it's I, I bet you it's going to bite one of those characters in the ass. So we're going to really lay it in. We're going to sprinkle it in. It's going to be mm-hmm. so brilliant. That Lord of the Rings show, it's going to be so clever, right? We're going to get all everything in here. <laughs> and it's like, it's it almost seems like it comes out of nowhere because it's just so natural because it really just comes from yeah. the characters. It, it came so naturally, you, you didn't, you weren't even distracted by it happening. It was just, this was their life. Those were their feelings. You were literally like the camera was yeah. you following them around as the third person, mm-hmm. being a part of this feud that develops. That's the last thing I, I will say. That was in terms of one of those the themes that, and I don't want to like open this up too much right now, but there were so many lines like that, and it, I couldn't help but wonder if like are these characters kind of expressing these things about how they feel, especially about loneliness and despair and. And what it means to have to to be to maintain like relationships and the quality of your relationship with yourself and with others. I did feel like this town was like people were saying things like that for the first time. So they were coming out not in these like heightened like dramatic spaces. They were coming out in this kind of crude, stumbly way. And everybody was kind of hearing it and taking it in for the for the first time. And it seemed strange, I guess, outside of like the priest confession scenes. Um, oh, I know God, what that, you mean. That, I still that think that like scene, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, I still think that I know what you mean. Like they weren't like to earn it. Like I know what you mean when you say that. But there were a lot of like stakes around. Oh yeah, her finally choosing to say that at that moment, and the fact that it was delivered so casually, and he dismissed it so casually. We know that he didn't dismiss it so casually, yeah. right? Yeah. And like it carries through for so long, mm. and and then it does eventually. So I, there were just so <laughs> many. These are those kinds of things that w- when you're talking about like uh, structure and and how to how to like tell this story correctly, th- this this is the I think that only a group of people working at a very high level are going to discover moments like that. 
I don't know if they crafted that kind of stuff. And we could, I would love to have them in the room. We could talk about that kind of shit. But when everybody in the Let's room is as farms. good as each other, then <laughs> they're, they're going to have those kind of things where they're just going to say, like, let's stop questioning the right way to do this. And let's start investing in what is feeling like, like we're tapping into something that is only, only, only right for like these people in this situation. Not like, how would you do it if? Just, sorry, does that make sense at all? Like, I feel like they're like, they were living in this own little world and their own little bubble. And maybe it's just because they did have a bunch of like, they have like Irish roots and maybe they literally had like grandparents and stuff that like, oh, I know these That's people. That's what we were to that believe, kind of yeah. recognition. I mean, those islands, really did there feel people, like it was its own culture. Yeah, there were, there are people that lived and died without ever setting foot off that island. Yeah. Well, that, and that's that's the best part of the story is it's like, just talk to him. You only know 20 people anyway. Just just even just talk to him more casually. Don't don't ha- set the two o'clock every time. Like, why do you, why does it have to be a hard cutoff? Like, why did right. why does he we're have getting, to suffer? We're getting close. I'm going to well, turn spoilers. on. Yeah. Well, actually, before you turn spoilers on, uh-huh. let me just or set up in this, very in this intermediate area of spoilers. It's <laughs> just because this is happening in the background the whole time, which y'all heard me say it before. My favorite stories are when like big things are happening in the background. But yeah, you love it's wars. Seen through the I knew that from last week. But just like from the way back, like, you know, like I don't want them to be the forefront. And like this is this is fucking this is really good storytelling. The Anglo-Irish Treaty was agreed upon after the War of Independence between Ireland and England uh, between 19 and 19, 1919-1921. This movie takes place and it kind of it's fun how they don't really tell you right off the bat. You really have to just kind of listen and they don't ever actually say with text or anything what mm-hmm. year it is. This movie takes place during the Civil War after that which is, it's called the Irish Civil War. And it was basically between the people who were pro that new government that had some kind of relationship to the to the United Kingdom and people who were totally against it, the IRA, who wanted Ireland to be its own thing. So this was a civil war after the war of Ireland against the UK. And I do think that it doesn't, you, you can just say, generally speaking, there's war going on over there. They make a lot of general comments about who knows what they're fighting for, but I hope they, I hope you win or they make a few fun, like comments like that. Mm-hmm. But I do think the specifics play in even more to the fact that you kind of can't not talk about the feuds within Ireland's culture mm-hmm. and government and system and not have that but have that, some commentary on these two people. That was also a great a device well. to put them in the bubble that they're in yeah. as yeah. well, because this was happening across the channel. It's not Island life. Yeah. Like that's yeah, happening that's somewhere saying. else. It's like, so let's but turn it, the it definitely on. it definitely gave it like an ominous threat on oh, the horizon that sort of thing. But I'll, yeah, I'll say one other thing which I really like too, which is who cares if it's spoilers or not? It's it's not a spoiler, but the term I activated ban- again. The term banshee, which which they sort of mentioned in in the the movie for a minute. I, honestly, the title again, it, it matters as much as you want it to matter. Yes, it obviously was carefully chosen. They make a joke mm. about it, but in the movie, but it actually it's termed it's short for ban. C. It's anglicized from band C. And apparently it's an old Irish thing. And I heard McDonough talk about this in an interview. I'm not just reading it on the IMDb trivia, but um, it heralded in people of death of the family usually. And, and it's these spirits that and it was usually a loud yell, but it wasn't meant to be frightening or scary. It was sort of fetishized by Western culture in like a mm. Halloween tradition to be spooky. But it was kind of an announcement and it was sort of a mourning, the banshees of the of the death. And we love an American cinema and it's almost satirizing like if you say somebody dies, people are more intrigued. But for some reason in this story, that didn't, you know, the, the idea of the banshee 
thinking about death and things that didn't that didn't affect me at all I, I wasn't rooting for people or anything like that so I, I think it was very well chosen but the main takeaway from my speech here is that it's folklore so even though it seems so slice, slice of lifey and that we're in their rooms and we see them and it's real it is folk it's it's folklore like the like great Irish stories are it's it's Somebody else, John, you're saying a different film. They should make it anyway. Make the film. Change the dialogue. Same story. Like, why not? Carry this on. It's it's just there's so much to mine from this that it, it could this the same story will travel centuries. Well, before we move into spoilers. <laughs> Let's do it. God, that's a gush yeah, that's for right. all I got the three button gush now. Okay, I digress. All right, spoiler, Dave, spoiler, Dave, spoiler. Let's, let's kick it back to you because the coloring of this movie, obviously the production design, the set design. John, I sure I know loves the Tarkovsky of Talk burning the building down and you know having the yeah. t- timing that and everything. But Dave, this, this movie ben was Davis. gorgeous. <laughs> Talk about Ben Davis specifically, just because the sound. Soft movies don't get the sound credit they deserve, but you you, you felt like you were there. Sorry, sorry, John. Yeah, I'll definitely get to the sound. But Dave, let's just this man has had a gigantic career. I know. When I I like I I'd heard the <clears> name, <throat> but I didn't couldn't associate it. Like I saw when I saw the credit come up, I'm like, where do I know him from? And then I looked it up and I'm like, fucking hell. Like yeah. it's a mile long, the list. Like and big shit. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange, Three Billboards, Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Like it just goes on and on. It's like a page long. And the thing with this is again, like you can't tell whether they use natural light in some of these mm-hmm. shots, like mm-hmm. whether it was like a, a like a rig setup or whether it was just all natural light. Obviously, at some points there were like there were stuff fed from electronics because you, some of that stuff was had like roofs on it. And you weren't getting that without some help, but it was so well done, you couldn't tell. So there were some really the, the entire like. The entire cinematography was completely unobtrusive and completely a person just wandering through the story. Yeah. And there were so many interesting coloring moments too, where I did feel like they were, they colored some, but not just lighting. Like it did feel like maybe in post they, they chose to have some moments feel much more saturated or, or grayed out than others. Yeah, and well, whenever I'm not even sure you'll, you'll find, like you'll find when it, whenever they're going for comedy, the color will creep in a little. If there's a laugh mm. involved, the color creeps in, um, just to make you feel a little warm and comfortable to laugh. And then when you get back to the bleak stuff, the color will bleed back out again. That's huh. usually, and I, I did notice that as well. Like in the church, that that confessional scene that I mentioned earlier, where they're just fucking swearing at each other in the confessional, <laughs> wet myself laughing in the theater. But yeah, that that is like if you look at that, like the wood grains are there, and then it's it's not as bleak as everything else. Um, the shop when she like refuses to tell her the gossip is just a little bit more saturated than other things so yeah it was uh, some of that is to like bring you out of the bleakness so that you're comfortable to laugh um and then they pull you right back in but there's the rest the um, the the time a lot of it was just the environment lending itself to that because that palette was was. i mean they found like they found so many beautiful places um costuming i think it's it's such an obvious choice and it was totally in line with her character, but keeping Carrie Condon in reds and yellows yeah. was just so, it lent itself so well. And there were so many wides where you would kind of, they did an amazing thing for me where she was consistently in those that color palette, 
but I only noticed it when she was in contrast to other people in wide shots. So it was, there was this really interesting thing that was happening whenever I was titling her. She has a lot of red in her skin, in that beautiful white skin, and she has a little red tint to her hair. So like, you know, I didn't think about it maybe so much in a, in a very useful way when she was in mediums and close-ups. But there was something just so, so well, she refreshing was... in this dark, terrible weight of this story that she was so alive in in whatever society shots. Well, they she, had was in, when she was she in, was in conflict. In she was in conflict with the whole island. Like she was the voice. Yeah. I was ever since I, as soon as I saw her, I was just waiting for her to arc up and go like full Irish woman. Well, and she did educated. not, dis- she did not disappoint. In, uh, in a couple of scenes yeah. where she just told the fuck off out of everyone. She, but like, great. yeah, she was you know in what? conflict with the whole island. She was the one who wanted out. She wanted to the mainland. She wanted, like, she kind of wanted something more, whereas everyone else was content to live their life on the island. But she, I'm glad she though, wanted a little I'm bit glad more. Though, I agree with that, though. I'm glad it wasn't a story where she wanted that from the beginning. Yeah. I like that it was a, an opportunity presented yeah. itself and she had to make a choice. It would have been a little bit, but they, they like, kind of hinted that she was discontent, and then she clashed with everything. For sure, for sure. Yeah. But I feel like, so, and again, maybe it's me projecting a little bit of this onto the Irish story. But because of everybody else around her, I also felt that a lot of these people were had this kind of quality that was just integral into their culture, where we don't belong off this island. You're supposed mm-hmm. to deal with the simplicity, the despair, the 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 tiny chats. Mm-hmm. These little chats, this chatting, yeah. getting you through your fucking life. And the fact that she didn't and she mostly tried to read more, you know, even trying to get her to the pub. Like, obviously, they were setting that those roots in there. But I really, really, really appreciated that it wasn't her from the very beginning applying to get that job. Yeah. I loved that. That it kind of came out and it, it made her offer. life a little yeah. bit more difficult. She hadn't already made the decision to leave if she got that mm-hmm. opportunity. The yearning was but there. I know what but you mean. She was then faced with the decision, do I act or do I stay? Do we know what the job was? I just... Yeah, it was in a library. A library job. Okay. Yeah, I, I would think it was a librarian or like a researcher. Like yeah. he was just working at a place in England. I just thought that was so great. Um, I, just to, while we're staying with Ben Davis, this man has shot just so many, so many films. And mm. Layer Cake is one of my favorite like movies from that era. Anyone who wants to see why... Um, I mean, any, damn it. anyone who oh, yeah, puts Guardians uh, and this Daniel on the Craig. same resume is fucking brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, you know, we'll get there in a second. What, anyone who wants to see why Daniel Craig became James Bond, go watch Layer Kick. Like, it, it was his audition for for that mm-hmm. movie, for sure. Like, it was like what opened the door. And it was such an exciting film. But then his career kept going. He did kind of get sucked into the Marvel machine, and he made the most of it. He shot a lot of the really, you know, a lot of the big ones in the middle of their, you know, prime. Yeah. And he still makes time, clearly, to shoot things like this. And I just think that that's so cool that he... He has the discipline I'm, and the desire to not get paid maybe as much to not work on something well, that I'm sure he got it, paid it, a lot for internals it, and guardians. It, of the made, Galaxy it and, made me think actually, like no, if, I, if I, this, if I gained access, like if I gained access as a, as a DP to the Marvel machine, would I go back? And I, well, I don't hear, I don't have an answer to that. I mean, because I don't have access I mean, to the Marvel machine. Of, but. Sounds like a lot of people do want to go back and forth. Deacons has said that he mm. has no real interest in doing feel, those yeah, movies. I, you're right. I feel like I feel like you know, after two or three of them, you'd start to get a little bored because they they're kind of repetitive, and you're shooting stuff that isn't there half the time. I wonder what it's like to shoot well, something and then watch we the editors just completely change it. <laughs> I mean, there's that, but I mean, everything's so dictated by previs and VFX. But I also think that there's it's what we were talking about earlier, like. When he is 
I, you know, I'm just, just imagining based on my limited knowledge, of course, but when he is in pre-production, pre-viz, working with VFX to design those monster Marvel movies, the movie, it's kind of painting by numbers when you actually go to set and start filming. This kind of movie, I'm sure still had a lot of intention within the design, but it really isn't as story driven. So I feel, I'm curious, I would love to hear them talk about when they were there, we knew what we wanted this scene to feel like, but because there was, we had this, you know, clearly I think that there was, there was a lot of steady cinematography. It doesn't mean that the camera wasn't moving, but it felt grounded. It felt like I was, the, the cinematography made you feel like you were also living a very simple life. Yeah. You didn't feel like it was creating a lot of kinetic energy around these people, but what surprised them within that intention? It all would have come out of performance, it all would have come out of character, which doesn't exist in those Marvel worlds. So I love that he's just trying to scratch these itches because, in my opinion, this is the kind of movie that might make you better at filming the next Marvel thing. Yeah, You're going to find something in this that doesn't exist mm -hmm. in how do we make that explosion look as sweet as possible. There might be something like, I, mean, I don't that's know, this not is the kind job. of stuff where... I... <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. That explosion's I mean, not real. <laughs> some of it. I mean, well, it depends, but I know what you mean. Um, Sound, Jeff, you mentioned it. I do want to talk about this because I noticed it right off the bat. And at first I was like, what the fuck are they doing? And then, of course, it was intentional. The exterior shots of this film have 10% of the noise of environmental sound that would exist there naturally. You see wind blowing these characters' hair and you don't hear wind. And it's just you're by a fucking seaside and you don't hear the wind and the waves as much as you would. You're on a cliff mm. and you don't hear wind. And you, there were all these times, and then this theme started to present itself where Brendan Gleeson literally kind of states, I don't want to try to quote the line, but he states the that the Banshees, and he's talking about the lore that, you're, that you were mentioning earlier. And he says, but now they don't even scream, they just listen. And there's this theme of what silence what we start, what starts happening to us when we stop listening. And I think that that is like, it just started speaking into the relationship. And the fact that they chose to start that intentionally as sound designers from the beginning of the film and not build to that hmm. well, was we, really I mean, interesting. Well, we came in halfway as well because the, the, the feud had already, he'd already stopped listening. He wanted silence. Right. All right. he wanted was peace. And I, I yeah. want to, I'm, jump on that just a little bit from a like for a character perspective was colin farrell the villain here was brendan gleason the hero of this story all he wanted was was peace and no one would give it to him this guy wouldn't go away and so all right if we're going to open up the theme conversation for me the one i keep going back to is that in a sense both of these men were villainous because when feuds happen on a small or large scale, it's the innocents that get hurt. Who are the two people, things mm. that end up dying from this? A fucking donkey. Yep. And donkeys in the world of animals kind of represent the not smartest animal. And the, the dim-witted kid in, this, in the story who had always been a victim. He, yeah. They establish over and over and over again in all these terrible, new, disgusting ways of the abuse that he lived with daily from his father. And they are the only two people to ultimately die from this. And so like, that was all I, I couldn't stop thinking about when I left the theater. It's the innocents that get hurt. The way they navigated this feud made That's them both one. antagonistic. Like 
And I, I, I want to hear if you guys have some others, but that's the one that I, I it's keeping me up at night. I'm just like, God damn it. He fucking nailed it. I don't, this yeah. was, it no, was nonsensical, right. their disagreement. It didn't even matter to me. And, and I don't even know if it really mattered to them so at the ridiculously. end of it. <laughs> Like it literally became a matter of pride on one side and the refusal to accept reality on the other. I, w- yeah. I don't know. Maybe you can help me figure out a theme to this, but I think what's fascinating is that at the end, Colin Farrell doesn't want to hang out with Brendan Gleeson. He'll kind of play nice then, but he's like, "You've fuck you. And it, it took him, I mean, look, what it, look what it took him to get there. And so it's almost like, it's, it's almost like, why do you have to ruin somebody else's life to, like, is it worth ruining somebody else's life for you to, is having peace and quiet antithetical to the human experiment? You know, obviously it's okay to be monk-like and it's okay to, to be in your own place, but we all exist together. So by if everybody became silent, if everybody became sedentary, we'd all be miserable. So, so I'm not, I'm not picking on Brendan Gleeson mm. here, but the lesson that Colin Farrell, and Colin Farrell is the lead of this movie, if you had to choose, because he has way more screen time and you could, his arc is just a little bit more clear, even though Brendan Gleeson, after the donkey dies, goes, okay. I I admit I went too far, and it's like no 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 no. I think that's I think I think that's brilliant writing that he they actually gave Brendan Gleeson the arc as opposed to saying, well I told you, like even the bartender was like, look he cut off his finger mm-hmm. right your forefinger friend right. So I actually like that they gave him the arc, but the lesson seems to be to accept that life sucks. He didn't accept that, so what makes him wrong in this situation? <laughs> Why didn't he just accept that his life would suck more? So I don't have a, a theme in that necessarily, but. Yeah, that was my biggest take. I mean, Brendan Gleeson's character, his his was a, a journey of mental illness. He had the despair. I guess and I, got, I, I don't got, want to say that's too to, easy to say because no, mental no, illness no, is such no, a it's, big it's thing. Not just that, but, but like it, it was a very complex mental illness. It, it wasn't like he was suicidal or like depressed in any way, shape, or fashion. He just realized that he was getting on in life and he hadn't really accomplished anything. The reason he had accomplished anything was because he was doing the same thing every day. So what I would say, I, I could really that, relate to that. Trust me. I, no, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. And that, that's 100 true and relevant. I think it's fascinating that they set this in, in 1920 as opposed to now, for, to talk about what you're talking about. Because I don't think that's what Martin McDonough was going for. I think he wanted more nuance than that. And um, not that there's not nuance in mental illness. Of course, mm. I'm very sympathetic to it. But that there, that there has to be. There is a reason. There's there's an irrationality to to, to calling something an illness. And I think at this time, it's I mean, they're isolated on this off. island. Why do we need more of a purpose? He's Why do we right. need more of a purpose? Look at the images. I just sent you three screenshots from this movie. Why do you need any more of a purpose? Why can't you just enjoy that until you die? You know, animals yeah, guess, do it. Why, why do we? Why do we need a purpose? Why, why is it a mental illness to sit there and say, "I just want quiet"? <laughs> there are or, a couple of lines that I, to what you're both talking about, like it, the, the peace and quiet that Brendan was saying. That I want this. What I took more from it was that he was looking for meaning, and he was willing to sabotage current relationships for a higher quality of meaning. The translation of that may have been peace and quiet, but he also had started developing better relationships. Or with yeah. his his music and with the musicians, and I love that little side side plot. Um, and I guess I can, I guess I kind of stopped. <laughs> milk truck gag. <laughs> yeah, milk truck gag. Why did he admit it? Don't confess it. When you when you do something like that, you never do it again. Never talk about it. But it was Dude. like my dad's been hit by a milk truck. My mom was killed by a milk truck. That's so <laughs> funny. Oh, but I know, Jeff, I know what you mean about wanting the nuance. That the fact that. 
I just can't stop thinking about the 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 fact that they don't the people on the island consciously talk about multiple times we don't really know what they're fighting about over there or yeah. at least we don't care enough to be a part of it and we don't really understand what we're fighting about here entirely so it's even if Brendan Gleeson is able to articulate this is what I want you get some sense through the scenes mm. with the priest and through some moments that he has with uh, uh, Carrie Condon which are, are wonderful yeah it's it's not he's not entirely I don't oh, know if he's in, as smart as he is if he is absolutely sure that by destroying his friendship with him his life will will become better and again ultimately it just takes me back to this place of the reasons we choose to fight uh, seem to matter less than the way we fight. And the fact that they were never on both sides, Colin Farrell, you know, I was getting so I was gripping my seat, like, leave him alone. Like, stop, stop pestering him. Stop. He wasn't he didn't know how to communicate from the side of but what's wrong with me. And Brendan Gleeson clearly didn't know how to communicate. And he went so fucking insane. He started cutting off his fingers. And the only people my favorite scenes were when people were commenting on the fight. So it was the scenes with the sister, the scenes with Barry mm. Cogan, the scenes with the townspeople, the bartenders and those guys. I, I just oh, felt like Are you a four-finger was... friend? <laughs> That's one of my <laughs> favorite lines in the whole movie. <laughs> it's almost like we, people, the, I, there was another thing I couldn't stop thinking about when I left the theater was, what was he trying? I don't, and I, I don't think it was all literal, but what was he wanting us to feel about the way we observe and reference conflict? There's something there about how the townspeople were so interested in it and how they were so disinterested as a community in this giant fucking civil war that some people would say that's high stakes. Yeah. You know, people should care about that kind of thing. And just the political environment we're living yeah. in right now. And we're how- in a constant state of conflict where we're not communicating with each other. We're not we like, and yeah. I don't know. I think that there's, mm. I think that there's something I mean, there. Uh, maybe. Cause like, I mean, they didn't, they didn't have Facebook or Twitter or all this crap where they didn't have that news cycle shoved down their throat every day. So they knew something yeah. was going on over there. I love how the, it the woman it, 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 that was going on over there. The woman who worked so, at the right. post office drop, like needed the gossip. She's like, this is my job. I get the gossip. I tell she people what's Twitter. going on. I work. Yeah. She was Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, um, Colin Farrell gets the shit beat out of him by the cop. And even Brandon Gleason's the only one who's like, am I the only one who realizes this is fucked up? You know what I mean? You all know him and I'm in a feud with him. I should be allowed to sit this one out. Um, but actually back to what you said about mental illness though, that Dave, it is curious the way they talked about, cause he's dim. Colin Farrell's dim. You, you yeah. can't watch this movie and not think he's not dim. I mean, he and plays so, it so well though. It's yeah. It's written well yeah. and he plays it so well because it's he's not one of life's good guys. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. That yeah. analysis we're, from we're, the, uh, the barfly and the bartender. We're kind of dancing around Barry Cowgan. Now he, Barry, he made it, the actor made a very, interesting choice to go a little bit more of towards like the autistic side of things. And that, that, that is spoken out loud. That's not me projecting. That's, that's, mm. he is, that's actually like the truth. I don't know if it was necessary, necessary. This is, this is sort of an archetype in this, in, in dated now, um, not dated, but like historical, um, literature of different types of, let's call them dim characters, right? And Shakespeare was, you know, the clown, but they were the smartest people. Like that was, that's an easy archetype, but then you would have your fops and your different things. And I, he, he might've, he did a great job. He's brilliant. He really, really mm. is. He, he might not have needed to go that hard because here we are, we're, we've been talking about it for a long time and, and he's, none of the things he said have, have had substantive like impact in this particular discourse in that conversation. And so I wonder if that's the writing or if that's Barry Keoghan, because in a four person movie, we should be talking about him more. Um, I don't have much to say about that. See, other I think than he it. did have a lot of influence for me. I thought, I felt that Martin 
ended up writing a lot of the the moments of clarity were coming from the smartest person on the island, his sister. Yeah, yeah, and the I dumb, agree. And the per, the dumb, not dumbest, but the person who might oh, who they perceive to be mentally I, challenged, but, Barry Conigan. But what were what were the brightest Kogan. things that Kyogen? Kyogen. What, what were well, the what were the things that he said other than he observed? The, 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 I thought he at the dinner with the three with the two of them. I guess he observed. That was the first time I felt like they were really giving it to him. And then the scene on the rock wall when he observed that. You know, I think Brendan Gleeson's character actually, he didn't seem unhappy when you were confronting him on with the whiskey brain. He seemed like he was enjoying You're himself. Right. So that, that's what it, and after yeah. you left, okay. he said, you know, I think I like him again. And maybe you needed to stand up for yourself. And he was also the only one who had the ability to follow his feelings, despite the downfall and the, re- and the rejection of asking Carrie, would you Good even point. consider being with somebody like me one day? So th- there was something, I don't know, there, there seemed to be more clarity around these two characters than between them. And that's just the nature of conflict. Mm. But I thought that was achieved. So I guess I, I did feel different than you. I do feel like yeah. there was a lovely voice coming from his character. And when they show his dead body, I, yeah. I literally went, oh, I made like a noise. I was like, oh, well, like it, I, it bothered also, me. I feel like he was like a third tier character so like he kind of he influenced this a little bit he influenced that a little bit he was in these scenes and you kind of he was just part of the furniture as such but then when he's like oh, i'm just gonna go over here and do what i was gonna do and the next thing you see is his dead body and it, it was like this is on you like you didn't pay enough attention to this guy and this is on you that's what and so the the innocents get hurt right yeah. like there's there's something very literal like the even if it was an accident fingers choking a donkey that's trying to eat it like that's absurd and almost funny and so tragic but then like i know what you mean dave but but i'll push back a little bit because colin farrell said it twice in front of the public he called out two things about the abuse and then yep he said something about it before, and then he said something again when he was on the whiskey brand about him getting fiddled with when he's not literally being sexually molested by the father. He said it to the father, the policeman's face in front of the post office woman. So, like, there was that was that was I was again, I was so intrigued by that because it's almost like they were saying what people should be paying attention to. The conflict hmm. that was most important on that island was the abuse happening between the fucking police well, officer and his son. Yeah, and the, the <laughs> reason that wasn't dealt with was because everybody already fucking knew and they did this. Yeah. yeah. And that's, so that, again, that was that's just, every fucking town. Yeah. I don't know where it belongs in the, the yeah. analysis, but it, it's been bothering me since I've, you know, since like, seeing it in a really wonderful people. way. And I, I love the, I love the, the fact that this war was a distant thing that was going on. And, and, you know, if you, if you wanted to, if you wanted to know that that was important to what was going on on this Island, that they weren't just living in the shadow of this, they were living in sort of the ripple of it. But the fact that the cop didn't care which side he was going on, as long as he got paid for a day's work, it's like, yeah but it wasn't a throwaway tv show could have done that so poorly but the way he said that in the conversation so matter of fact and out of confusion out of like do i want it to be that side do i I don't even know which side i want it to be on i I don't know they tell me to go i'm gonna go and uh, i'm gonna get paid for it it's gonna be fucking great i'm gonna come back and celebrate at the bar it's just like what are we doing people all these different representations of people who get into conflict like i think for brendan gleason he was the if not the antagonist, I know what you're saying. He was at least the, 
he fired the first shot. He he played the role of the catalyst in this. Yeah. We have a police officer who's kind of representing almost like a mercenary in like that bigger picture of conflict. We have like the innocence. We have people who see themselves as victims relentlessly and end up turning into what they don't want to be, the Colin Farrells. And all of these things ended up yielding some kind of some kind of very high stakes violence that was not the focus of this movie. Like you thought that Brendan Gleeson was going to burn alive. He didn't. Yeah. You hear good. that that police officer is going to go participate in these executions. The donkey ends up, you know, dying. And of course, that's really Jenny. sad. Jenny is the name of the donkey. Je- oh, yeah. Jenny. The sister ends know, up leaving. It's Jenny. Yeah. I, I, I also love that leaves. like they don't go into the feud developing. It started. By the time yeah. the movie starts, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't waste time. Like they, they followed him for a while, and then he turned up at his house, and the guy's already not speaking to him. That's great. Just because he chose not to, and you don't, you like that. That carries you a while. You're like, what? What the fuck happened? Like, what happened? And it turns out nothing happened. I also and think it, it was... sums up like the life on that island perfectly. It's like, what? What is it? Oh, it's nothing. It I think just... I may have just arrived at another one that that scares me. And it's kind of more through Brendan Gleeson's perspective than maybe Colin Farrell's, but I think you see it in Colin Farrell that ultimately they both ended up finding a lot of purpose in their life from the pain that it brought them. Mm. Like that wonderful speech that you're waiting for this whole fucking thing to build to. No, let's not call it the end. Let's call it the beginning. This goes to the grave. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like... Well, now suddenly Brendan does make a turn and he feels bad, but he wanted meaning. Does now we have meaning? And now we have Colin who has something to fight for when he didn't have anything to fight for before. She left the island in conflict with her brother who she wanted to like come with him, but he wouldn't. Now she has meaning and it, she had to hurt herself and hurt their relationship to go. And I, I'm sorry. And those, I don't want and to keep those, letter, it, those letters afterwards as well, where the letters just, afterwards. just glossing over everything. I don't want to simplify the Irish thing but everyone knows from all the culture we've you know the the drinking and the depression and the 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 famine and the the relationship they've had with the british empire and what that ended up doing to the the pride of their people and the issues that came out of that like there is i don't know i feel like that might be something too like this 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 faux purpose that we seem to get out of having someone to fight with like it's just like, is that poisonous? And who are the real victims? Yeah, it's of fucking that? poisonous. It's, yeah, like, I mean, America that, you know, thrives on that. So. There's yeah. that. There's that line I can't stop thinking about where Colin Farrell, the second time he confronts him when they're outside of the bar, and mm-hmm. Brendan Gleeson gets the beer and goes outside, and he says, and they're having that disagreement, and he's like, I don't want to just sit there and fucking chat about the shit you find, the stuff you find in your donkey shit. And he's like, this, you know, these shitty chats, and Colin says. I'm talking about good chats. I'm not talking about bad chats, like good chats. The idea of like something that would actually help build us a relationship that isn't just banter. And I really appreciated that too, from a writing standpoint, because I think there is a version of this kind of story that could be written by a much shittier writer where they would have relied on just the absurd comedy of it. Well, they keep having this fight and Martin's just way too smart for that. And I think that that, that line with the, it's about the good chatting, the, the dissolution of that idea that we're going to start with this gimmick and let it evolve into something that is strictly based on what they're not saying to each other. That is just fucking 
you know, hmm. apex of yeah. how to how to write that. And kind it's a of little conflict. bit of a horror story. Like you strap yourself into a roller coaster and it goes. Like, how did you it, guys feel when he burned the house? Like, how did you feel? Did you think he was going to do it? Did you think he was going to pull out? Were you scared? I thought he was not for stop, a second yeah. did I not think he was going to do it. <laughs> I as soon as he like I saw how furious he was, I was like, but if he hurt that fucking dog, I was out. Of course, and yeah. everybody knew it, right? It was, I, yeah. I wouldn't hurt I your dog. He was, he was John, John Wick one hundred and one. His... Don't fucking hurt the dog. I thought he was going to try talking to him from the outside again. I thought he was just going to... A little bit, yeah. Like, hey, there was a part of me that wondered. But I love they didn't do that. He was yeah, past yeah, it. He just, lit, he just piled up the branches and burned his fucking house down with him in it. And just the thing, I love that they didn't you know explain what? this, but whatever, whatever you think happened to Brendan Gleeson between him sitting there while the thing started on fire to him being on the beach the next day, whatever you thought happened is better than anything they would have shown. Yeah. And I'm glad that they... And, that, and, I'm, and you know what? I was just thinking about that. I think that strengthens the point I was making before even more. I think Brendan was considering dying in that fire. Yeah. And this thing gave him a reason a to fucking yeah. live. Now, I, th- what's interesting is that he may have begun wanting to move away from the conflict, and that's why he chose to continue living. I've gone too far, and Colin had just entered it. So like now we have the Wait, you, know, you, me, me, I, you. you I, think like, he, I think he shared the mentality of the sister. Like he, uh, Brendan. He, yeah, he he got to the point where there was She's, nothing new, and like anything new he tried stopped. Like as he tried the music stuff, and they like. They yeah, but he got got though. I love that. Yeah. He, I love that he got got. And they could have. She could have gone even further with the Mozart stuff. And I'm glad she just said like it's the 18th century, not the 17th century or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but I, like that, I feel like he shared her longing for something right. more. But he and couldn't leave. You're right. That's what that feud gave him. It gave him something interesting, something more, something to focus on. Did you think he you're was right, going to ask is. to stay in her bed after the house burned down? <laughs> did you say like, "Hey, uh, I need a place to stay," and I know Siobhan's Maybe, gone. Yeah. I thought that was going to happen. Dave, I love that you pointed that out because another one of my favorite exchanges is when she says um sorry let me pull that thing up because that was uh, it was so well said where he's having i think he had, he's already cut off his first finger and carrie condon is is in her house for some reason he came there where she would to go see him in his house he says don't you ever feel like you're he says sometimes i feel like i'm just entertaining myself until until it happens death and mm. she's like i don't know what you're talking about and he says yeah you do mm-hmm. and then she's out of there yeah, she gets that, the letter that after look. that. Yeah. So I don't, it, there was that lovely, I love that, that she didn't want to have to wait for something. It's insane to, to actually make her think that there was something to live for. All these things may have been preventable. Even Brendan Gleeson's initial thesis, you shouldn't have let yourself get this old and have this fucking epiphany, bro. Like part, part of it was that you allowed your lifestyle to take you to a place where you're so convinced I've wasted so much time. I need to kill all my darlings to try to carve out some meaning. But, you know, like all of these things seem so intentional. Um, yeah, this thing was really brilliant. Let me ask yeah. you guys one last question because I couldn't question, stop thinking about gotta, this when I was in the theater too. Yeah. I felt like both these guys. I have been both of these guys in my life. In some extent, I related to both of them. Oh God, I've bet my entire fucking life down at least twice. Yeah, I felt I have felt like the dumbass who was trying to catch up and was like, "But what did I do?" And I have felt like I'm so bored that I want to remove myself, and I'm so there's something so negative inside me that my only answer seems to crush this person. 
just so I can carve out something better. The idea of this, I have, I think that is just another good testament of writing. Like, did you find yourself resonating with both of them? Yeah. That's my, that was my opening statement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wait, right. really quick. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you have, do you have a favorite performance? Not that it matters. You can pass. I mean, I mean every movie he's ever been in, I think Brennan Gleason is like one of my. Yeah, <laughs> like, true. He's just he's just he's so he's so good. He's like, I knew I love Colin Farrell, especially in like the last ten years. These risks he's taken. I like yeah. his work with Martin McDonough, but I know Colin Farrell is acting. I don't know if I've ever seen Brennan Gleason act, ever in anything. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like he's our um, the man just lives. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he's our um, Gene Hackman. He's like our generation's Gene Hackman. Yeah, I, mean, so, I, I mean, to be honest, I can't narrow it down. Every, every like, all four mains in this were phenomenal. They were. She was so good. I'll, yeah. I'll, she, she. I think she over, outplayed her station. I thought she really rose above. But you're right. It's. She's gonna potentially. I think she's gonna have a strong Academy Award campaign. I think they're gonna really try to push her. They all should. Actress, Actually, yeah. Colin, somehow they all got chipped from. Um, Wait, Bruges, can you be supporting two, actress but... if there's no other women in the film? <laughs> yeah honestly it would yeah that's a good call well maybe if they wanted to win they'll Anna do a Curry little fraud. throw her yeah exactly they'll throw her in there and i did like barry i, I don't think you liked him as much but i i did enjoy his i performance. love barry keegan's no, performance i, 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 I liked yeah. him too i was just curious if, if Dude, the choice that, that, to be autistic in the 20s was yeah. it was a bold one yeah. that he made and i was wondering how it affected you yeah i feel yeah. like he's becoming a force to be reckoned with like he's gonna be phenomenal in whatever he does yeah. it's gonna be one of those people you go to see because he's in it i feel like i, I read so recently he was he was on the short list for a big role like it was like between him and somebody else for like a big like a chalamet level like role for something but i, I don't know what i can't remember yeah anyway. i could see him him those two going back and forth <laughs> um okay on your list of mcdonald's is this near the top do you know does it surpass I, I rewatched In Bruges, which I'll talk about in a second, but I think In Bruges is still my number one, but I really, really, really enjoyed Three Billboards. Same. And there was a part of it that did not touch me. Like I think I felt like the world was falling in love with that movie a little bit more than I did. And I think this one swept me off my feet in such a surprising way that maybe I'm just in the midst of my honeymoon period with it, but this this really felt like singular to me. This felt very special and weird, like a weird movie to me. You want to hear something horrendous? I've never seen either of them. Yeah, you should watch it, man. If you liked his writing, you should watch everything, but yeah. definitely those two. I mean, in Bruges, like- I kind of wanted to watch, but I, I never got around to it. And Three Billboards, I just, I don't know why. I don't know what you're going mean, to You're going to laugh your ass off at In Bruges. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard. But you will yeah. but you will <laughs> laugh your ass off at, at Three Billboards on some of the stuff that she does. When she goes and she, like, kicks the, the bully in the balls, like, at the high school, like, you, you might, she just goes up. She, I'll probably hey, laugh at that, yeah. I'm grabbing yeah, your nuts. Yeah. I feel like you might. Um, all right, let's wrap it up. People, it's time to now get into our final segment. I almost came up with the jingle this week and then I forgot to do it. You guys, we are talking about what you've been watching, our final segment. We tell you what we've been watching. Dave, we always like to start with you. How has your week been? What have you been watching? My week has been very busy. I mean, I'm recording the show on the back end of a 17-hour day. Um, Fuck me, dude. Yeah, right. I I was up at like uh, 3.45 or 4 o'clock or something this morning. Um, Holy shit, dude. It's currently 11.19, if anyone's curious. 
the what I did watch this week though, because like we uh, we've been doing that little sharing thing with the family with Hulu, and we decided to finally get our own Hulu. Oh wow! Um, well, yeah, so that like I could watch all the like because my sister-in-law famously like horrendously does not like time travel films, and I love them, and so I didn't want to put them on like her profile because like that's what we were sharing. So sure. we got our own, so I can watch what I want. And the first thing that popped up and it recommended for me was Vacation. The, the new one? National Lampoon's Vacation, like as in the remake. Oh, with uh, Ed yeah. Helms? And I, yeah, and I watched it. And everyone bagged the shit out of this. And I was like, okay, so everyone has grown up and grown out of the Vacation films because the, the scenes in this are exactly what Vacation was. Like, it is literally the same tone the whole way through. There's a s- similar gags. I, I, I don't see what everyone's problem with this film was. It's a vacation film. You liked it? Yeah, loved it. It's cool. I laughed nice. my ass off. I, mean, I was drunk, but yeah, I laughed, I laughed my ass off. But yeah, it's, it's, that's the thing. Like, it's if you've, like, if you watch Vacation when you were younger and then you watch this one and you've forgotten what it's like to be young, then <laughs> you probably didn't enjoy as much. I remember what it's like to be young. I enjoyed the hell out of this. So give it a rewatch. See Sweet. what you think. All right. Did you catch up on any of the other shows? Did you watch Andor? I, I have. I was up to date with Andor to the Andy Circus applause moment. Yes, um, and then I am. Wait, he's uh, he's been in two episodes now, Andy. Have you seen both of them? Uh, I've I've seen the one where he finally tells them what's what, okay. and that's yeah. I think I think I'm up to date. Yeah, uh, Game yeah. of Thrones. I uh, no sorry, more than twelve. Ha- House of the Dragon. I finished finally. And yeah, we're gonna. And I believe I sent you a text saying "Holy fucking <laughs> fuck balls!" Yeah, that last yeah. scene. Yeah, no, that was that was epic. They finally gave us what we wanted. Finally, Elizabeth's sister was here this week, and she said the same thing. She was like, uh, "That show is is worth watching." You know, if you want to get to those good moments. Um, I it caught is. up you on Andor. Fucking, you need a fucking slide rule to figure out which characters which, but. That's yeah, always the been the case. I, I have no idea. I love that like well, no, yeah, they, they, they change them up over the I years. I love that like, like spoilers don't work for me because I don't know what anybody's name is. So if you said this happens <laughs> to somebody, I would I would be like, oh, who does that happen to? <laughs> Jeff, you used to get so frustrated because I would that was me during Game of Thrones. I still don't know what the names of all those fuckers are. I just I don't. Yeah, I mean, I honest trailers made care. so much fun of it. But man, it was hard. Uh, I am still resisting it. I don't want to watch that show, you guys. But you keep praising the hell out of it. I feel like I should watch it. Should Just watch the last it. twenty minutes of the Praise. final episode. Start watch the last ten minutes of the second to last episode, and then the last twenty minutes know, of the final episode. <laughs> yeah. Just, just get some bits. Uh, I caught that's up on Andor. That's where my budget went. <laughs> I caught up on Andor, and I still really, really like it. Um, yeah. We, you know, we had a family member oh, visiting, so I didn't get to watch much. Getting better. But Elizabeth and I, uh, she had never seen it, and I never, you know me, I never finished it so i'm catching up we're watching mandalorian so we're we've finished season one um yeah it's fun it's definitely i can see why people are, are really <laughs> do into the, it do the season thing. two finish season two yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh i heard season two the ending was nuts and of course our friend chris i'm very 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 excited to see season three but uh andor is just uh consistently yeah consistently bringing it i'm glad i'm watching that show and i'm still watching I mean, cosmos the upshot is worlds. they made andor and then they're making season three of the mandalorian i'm hoping they kind of learn a little bit because I, mm. I know andor they didn't rely on the volume the like 3d led technology they, not at all. they no a, they not? not a lot it was like, a lot of it was like green screen and like blue screen stuff and like they built sets so they went back to traditional 
filmmaking techniques for Andor. That's I think that's it's why also, it's it looks also bigger. I don't. <clears throat> I wouldn't even want to try to compare those two shows too hard, just because John Favreau is is so obviously trying to make like a uh, Buck Rogers serial style. Right. You've seen these stories yeah. before. Oh, I'm not comparing them at all. Here. I I just oh, I know you're, I, know you're I love that like Andor is immensely successful, has a fantastic storyline, and they use tradition like traditional like effects for it, not the the LED wall because yeah, yeah. every now and then Mandalorian felt just a little bit enclosed. Like it translated okay. to the I camera a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. And it just felt I, small. Uh, I also just can't stop thinking while I'm watching Andor. It's still in the Star Wars universe. So of course we're still in like this like really intense, the most successful pre-existing IP of all time. But this has nothing to do with magic and fucking jedi magic you know it's just i love that like Uh what is it saying that so many people are responding so well to adult you know this this, This this is is what bubba fett was supposed to be bubba fett was supposed to be gee how did this bounty hunter be who where did they come from with this armor and the jetpack and they can go wherever they want in the galaxy and not allegiances this is what bubba fett should have been you, no, dude, you need, you need to watch cool. the Clone War. Need to watch the Clone Wars animated series. That'll tell I, you exactly hate, what Boba Fett is meant to be. I hate when somebody says you need to watch seventy hours of television, and then you'll know the answer to something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. Go find it. <laughs> no, I, I with you. Clone Wars actually looks really cool, and I know that a character who's going to be in season two of the Mandalorian for John coming up soon came from Clone Wars, and then the mm-hmm. real life version of that was pretty cool. Okay. And it is also the same actress. We didn't need to get too specific there, but that is cool. Okay. Um, I think it went over my head. I'm okay. I, <laughs> uh, I of course, watched this episode. I, knew who of, meant. <laughs> I, of course, watched this episode of Andor. I'm, I'm watching The White Lotus. Uh, it's, it's, I'm not I getting need to in, start watching that. I'm not getting into it as easily as I got into the last one, of course, but it's still great, and I love seeing the characters, and, and we'll I see. Can, I cannot believe that was not a one on one in time. We knew, we knew as soon as it was successful that Jennifer Coolidge was going to be back, and they were going to yeah. figure out it was going to be a different White Lotus somewhere else. Mike White's going to do the Adam Weird. Sandler thing, where they're like, just, just film wherever you want, anywhere in the world, just, just do it, do whatever you want. Good um, for him. Good job, Mike. Oh, I found out Amazon <laughs> has picked up the Continental. Apparently, they're getting oh, the Continental funny. series. That's good. Which is the I'm very John excited, Wick, for, John John very excited for John Wick 4. Um, I, I forgot to mention last week that I had watched Beetlejuice for the first time in a very long time, all the way through before Halloween and Werewolf by Night. I had watched both mm. good, both good. Have you um, seen the musical yet? You should see the musical. I'm an asshole. I've had like students up for it. I never Dude, actually saw it. I did not it, know that John, that uh, Michael Giacchino directed that. Weird. Do you know that? Werewolf by Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and Elon's own Daniel J. Watts had a nice little small hey. role. Uh, I don't think I saw anything else. I think I had a pretty light week. I think I, I rewatched a lot of uh, um, Robin Williams "Come Inside My Mind," which I had already seen. That but was you. I was looking at that. I was like, "Who watched that?" That's a good documentary. I just, you know, I was looking around for things, and I was like, "This is what I want right now." And so, you know, I get to mm-hmm. do I get to do whatever I want. I'm a full grown person, you know. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, wait, I watched the Guillermo del Toro. I started started the Guillermo del Toro. I was a manny, which is a male nanny. I didn't need the qualifier of what gender I was, but I started it because somebody that I I had nannied for, I I wasn't a nanny for very long, two weeks, was in one of the episodes and I watched it. It was fun. Payoff, they really cut us short. 
all of a sudden, like three minutes and the episode was over. I was like, what? We just got, but it's very, very fun. It's good visual storytelling. So yes, the curiosity, the secret, whatever the fuck that. Where is it? Cabinet of Curiosity sets Netflix. Of course it is. Netflix. Okay. Netflix is about to come in hot. They're dropping shit left and right. So get ready folks. Okay, cool. That's it. Thank you so much for Warner Brothers. You're doing some weird shit. All right. Yep. Thank you go. so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on our Benches of Inishmore podcast. Uh, you know what I mean, Inish Aaron. See you next time for another Love of Cinema podcast Can't right get here. anything Irish right. Fucking hell.